Hello, Pulse Check listeners. I'm Dan Diamond. And today, we're going to talk about two of the most important people shaping U.S. health policy, Secretary of Health and Human Services Alex Azar and Seema Verma, Administrator of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, and a feud threatening their agenda. Seema Verma's time in the administration goes all the way back to November 2016, when President-elect Trump picked her on the recommendation of Mike Pence to run CMS. On behalf of the President of the United States, it is my great privilege to administer the oath of office to Seema Verma. She'd been Pence's consultant on Medicaid in Indiana. As a fellow Hoosier, I couldn't be more proud. A year later, after Trump fires his first HHS secretary, Tom Price, Verma reportedly threw her hat in the ring for top job. But instead, Trump picked Alex Azar, a former Eli Lilly executive who had been the number two HHS official back during the George W. Bush administration to be HHS secretary. It's a very special day for me because we've been looking for this day for a long time. I'm thrilled to be here to administer the oath of office to America's new Secretary of Health and Human Services, Mr. Alex Azar. When Azar took over HHS, there were lots of questions about corruption in the federal health agency. I think the American people have a right to know that the person running HHS is looking out for them and not for their own bank account. But Azar, a by-the-book lawyer, has largely cleaned up the scandals that plagued HHS in its first year. One thing that hasn't been fixed, the relationship between Azar and Verma. They've fought over policy and staffing, and things worsened after Politico broke the news this spring that Verma had spent millions of dollars on public relations consultants to boost her brand. Politico reports at least eight former White House presidential transition and Trump campaign officials were hired as outside contractors by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. They were brought in to help polish the personal brand of and provide strategic communication support to CMS Administrator Seema Verma. Now joining me to discuss the story, two of my colleagues, Adam Kankren, healthcare reporter. Hey, Dan. And Rachna Pradhan, back again, too. Hello, Dan. The three of us have been writing articles about Verma and Azar's clashes. Adam, you and I have specifically honed in on Verma's use of PR consultants. Rachna, no one has tracked Verma's policy more closely than you. And the three of us also reported on Azar's fights with the White House earlier this year. Adam, the country's focused on the impeachment inquiry, the presidential election, all of these other stories. Why does a battle between two healthcare bureaucrats matter? Sure. Well, these aren't just any kind of federal bureaucrats. These are the top two appointees in charge of the entire health agenda in the Trump administration. And what makes that particularly important is that uh, the Trump administration and President Trump in particular, not always the most focused on the policy particulars, right? So in this administration, maybe more than in the past, the various cabinet heads, Alex Azar, Seema Verma, who runs uh, the biggest healthcare programs, Medicare, Medicaid, Obamacare, they're more responsible than maybe, you know, people in, in their roles in the past have been for determining what exactly the agenda is. And especially at a time where the president is consumed with impeachment, everybody else is focused on all the kind of, you know, political wranglings. They are kind of had free free reign to figure out, well, what do we do with the short time, you know, that we have left in, in the president's first term? Trump is not sweating the details that Alex Azar and Seema not always. are. So some of the internal fights that we reported on, either over staff, even over getting a seat on Air Force One, 
these battles date back years. We've known about some of this long enough that I remember a literal fight over an office. Like this is office politics at, at the highest level. So, Rach, why are we reporting on these issues now? Um, I think the crucial thing about what this story shows is it's not just personalities and bickering and office politics when the amount of fighting can slow down or scuttle, whatever word you want to use, their healthcare agenda to the point where it could be a big problem for the president. We obviously know President Trump wants to run on healthcare in 2020. And if his, if two of his most senior people are fighting like this, in order to work in government and to do things effectively, you need to work together, especially when you're running a bureaucracy of this magnitude. So I think that's what elevates it, um, at least for me, you know, even if you have like a really juicy story, uh, the Air Force White anecdote is an, an example of that. I think. And for folks who might not have read the story, what was the Air Force One anecdote? So before um, President Trump traveled to Florida to make a, a high profile Medicare announcement, um, there was fighting over whether Administrator Verma would get a seat on the plane, and HHS Secretary Alex Azar tried to prevent her from getting on the plane. Um, HHS disputes this. Yes, they do dispute it. They say that didn't happen. Um, and by our reporting, uh, Verma only got on the plane after the White House intervened and got her on there. And of course, she oversees the Medicare program and her um, her agency was largely responsible for drafting the executive order that the president signed in Florida. So I think, you know, if we were arguing about plane seats, I mean, what else is going on that actually messes up? That's that's relatively simple as far as what the federal government does. It's nothing compared to regulations on prescription drugs or other things affecting the Medicare program that these uh, bureaucrats have to um, shepherd through and do it in a timely way so that they can actually run on something. So let's talk about those policies that might be in the balance. You, you mentioned, Rachna, the fight to get things done in government bureaucracy. I've had it described to me as no matter what, you're, you're kind of walking in quicksand. So if you're, if you're walking in opposite directions and pulling each other in different ways, it makes it hard to get regulations out. And we have examples in our reporting of either Secretary Azar stepping on Seema Verma's Affordable Care Act replacement plan or Seema Verma criticizing Azar's drug rebate plan and not working hand in hand. Let's lay out the actual allegations that each side is making, Azar world, Verma world, uh, in more detail. So what what are Verma's allies arguing about Secretary Azar and his leadership of HHS? I'll, I'll start with this. So her allies say that the HHS secretary, I should say they, they dispute this, but that he is actively undermining her in a lot of different ways. One is um, just her involvement on the in making policy. Other things are related to personnel and promotions. And, um, you know, they're basically trying to marginalize her to the point where she doesn't have an impact. Um, and, and they argue that she should because she's a very high profile um, official and she has a lot of responsibility. She was tapped for the job for a reason. And, and, and it's unusual, I mean, in particular, because, um, you know, CMS, it's, it's maybe not as visible to the, to the public as, as the health secretary, but it's responsible for more than 80% of HHS's budget. So they're running literally the biggest programs for the most people in the country. And that affords, traditionally, CMS a lot of, 
autonomy and, and CMS administrators. So, you know, they tend to be a lot of times the face of the highest profile issues here. Um, and in this case, uh, at least, you know, part of, I, I think, uh, maybe a driving force of, of Firmer's kind of bill of particulars here is that every time she tries to go out and get something done, she feels like there's this kind of tug of war where HHS is coming in and saying, we're interested in that. And you know what? We're going to be the face of, of whatever accomplishment you're trying to get out That there. Secretary Azar should get the credit for it. But let yes. me take the other side of this. Secretary Azar is technically her boss. Shouldn't he be getting credit? Shouldn't he get to choose what he is announcing and rolling out rather than his deputy? Well, and this is where, I mean, ideally, you have a relationship that can be collaborative, right? One of the one of the things that I, in the course of reporting the story, I, I heard over and over, especially from, from Seema Verma's side of things, is that uh, a good leader, a good boss, knows that elevating his or her own people reflects well on, on, on him or her. And that, you know, if Alex Azar wants to come across as a great manager, as a great HHS secretary, one of the best things he can do is empower his own people. And instead of empowering his own people, he's, you know, kind of trying to trying to marginalize them in, in order to kind of keep control of things. That's that's the main complaint I've heard there. Obviously, he should be getting credit for the major accomplishments of the administration. Um, Such but, as they are. I mean, one of the allegations from Team, team Seema Verma is that Secretary Azar has not accomplished enough big things, drug pricing, for instance, which the president has campaigned on. There have been defeats of the drug pricing agenda that Alex Azar wants. So maybe he's stepping in and taking things that Seema Verma has achieved and, and using that to bolster his accomplishment record. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where when you, when you break it down to just kind of the base level, it is very much a... Uh, a workplace dispute, right? We see these things in workplaces all the time. What's important to remember is the sheer stakes of this, right? Not only is it the fate of uh, the Trump administration's health agenda, not only is it, you know, the fate of these uh, extremely kind of politically at, t- at times controversial but very important policies, it's also how you just administer day to day these programs for hundreds of millions of Americans, how, how you manage the logistics of managing you know, your health department, while at the same time just trying to kind of, you know, keep these interpersonal relationships afloat. So the criticisms of, of Alex Azar, just recapping, that he hasn't empowered Verma, he's blocked her, he's taken things away from her, and that while his own ad- efforts to achieve agenda items have struggled, he, he may have taken some shine from his deputy. Now looking the, the other direction, what are the criticisms of Seema Verma and her leadership and why she is is enmeshed, not just in a fight with Azar, but in some bigger questions too. Rachna. I think one of the things that I and uh, I believe all of us heard is there is a either lack of appreciation or failure to follow process at times when developing policy on the part of the administrator's part. Now, that seems really, really dry, but the reason why it matters is because process is everything in the federal government in order to effectively deliver um, initiatives, regulations, you name it, right? Um, And that oftentimes she will freelance things and kind of go out on her own um, in a way that is not particularly collaborative either. So I think one of the examples in the story that we had was related to the ACA replacement plan that she came up with. And as as you said earlier, Dan, you know, that uh, Secretary Azar shot down because they felt like it was not something that they could even 
present to the president without, you know, as, as an effective proposal. The other thing that I've heard and, you know, reporting from the two of you have really underscored this is that the administrator is very concerned about self-promotion. And it not only rubs people the wrong way, but I think it's demonstrated, you know, there are actual lots of taxpayer resources going into outside contracts to boost her own profile. And she's elevating herself beyond what a lot of people see as what even above a cabinet level official, and she's not one. And so I think that also creates a lot of tension in there. And for listeners who want more detail on these contracts, what we're referencing is a story that Politico broke back in the spring that Administrator Seema Verma had directed millions of dollars toward communication consultants who helped burnish her brand, raise her image. That story provoked congressional investigations and helped lead to an inspector general probe that is still going on. And when we looked at the relationship between Secretary Azar, who used to be the top lawyer at HHS and is a very by-the-book sort of guy, an administrator of Verma, this has become a grenade in what was already an explosive relationship where administrator Verma is, is facing enough scrutiny now from the Hill and from the department's own inspector general that this could become a real problem for her moving forward. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of, the, one of the undercurrents that we reported on kind of extensively is just from the very beginning, this deficit of trust between Alex Azar and Seema Verma. Uh, and it's something that's kind of continued through, you know, their relationship and their tenure in the federal government. Um, and when you have issues like this, when you have issues like, you know, Verma conducting, you know, or having all these consultants working on behalf of her with, you know, the top levels of HHS having only a vague sense of what kind of work they were doing, uh, when you have her contradicting, as we reported in the article, uh, Alex Azar on his, on his major drug policy proposal, uh, in front of the president. It's these kinds of things that, that help kind of, you know, deepen that deficit of trust. And, and to the point where it doesn't seem at this point that it's, it's a relationship that can be repaired. When we talk about the folks who either support Secretary Azar or Administrator Verma, obviously they each have their own staffs, but they also have supporters outside of their building. Who are they, to the best of our ability without revealing any sources? Rachna, who, who might be on the side of Administrator Verma, for instance? Um, her, because she's not a, a Washington creature, right? She didn't work here, unlike, unlike Secretary Azar. I mean, he's, I think he's, he's worked in the federal government before, and so that lends him a certain amount of experience and also allies, right? She came from Indiana. She's seen as an outsider. I think by uh, partly because of that, she has sort of a small inner circle of people who she really trusts, um, but she has cultivated... Um, strong relationships with folks in the White House. Um, so and specifically, specifically, uh, well, <laughs> Vice President Mike Pence is a you know her. I mean, she worked for him uh, before she was in D.C., so that's a big one. Um, but then also, she gets along well with Joe Grogan, who's the White House Domestic Policy Chief. Um, Mick Mulvaney is what I've been told, and so she Mick Mulvaney, the acting White House, the chief acting of staff. White House Chief of Staff, and then also Mark Short, who is the Vice President's Chief of Staff now. Um, that being said, though, so, uh, you know, so she does have uh, allies outside of uh, her own staff and outside of CMS. Um, but Secretary Azar does, too. So. Well, I, I want to underline a point that you made. You mentioned Joe Grogan, the head of domestic policy in the White House. And, and in my view, I'd be curious to hear from you guys. In my view, there are basically three power centers right now when it comes to making health care policy in the government. Secretary Azar, 
Administrator Verma, and we've just talked about their clash, and then Grogan in, in the White House. And Grogan and Verma have teamed up on Azar before. We reported, the three of us over the summer, about Azar fighting with the White House. A big part of that was with Joe Grogan. And Joe Grogan, if you remember the most interesting man in the world beer commercials, to me, Joe Grogan makes a bid for most interesting man in government health care because you never know quite what he's going to say. He had a event with reporters a few weeks ago where he attacked the idea that the FDA should regulate tobacco. He has been willing to come out and, and be more vocal in a way that we've, I've never seen a domestic policy council chief be. And some of that is because he has a good relationship with Trump. So you have these three people triangulating. And right now we have this public fight between the two of them. But it, in my mind, it really is a triangular uh, battle for influence and policymaking. And, and that's an interesting dynamic because it's it's created kind of a, a sense of shifting allegiances depending on what the actual issue is, right? So earlier this year, we reported that that Grogan and Azar were kind of at loggerheads over again this this drug the drug policy and kind of how you go about you know uh, cracking down on on drug prices, uh, and then at the same time, I mean, we get to a point where we're talking about how do you repeat how do you replace the ACA. And it ends up with, you know, you have Grogan and Azar on the, on the same side and seems the one who's pitching, you know, in a, a $1 trillion plan that, that's, that's, you know, in their view, never going to work. Thing, Another issue being partial Medicaid expansion, this idea of some states yes. maybe being allowed to expand Medicaid not to the full Affordable Care Act level. Seema Verma had, had signaled to Republican states that they could do this. The White House, Grogan, not a fan of that policy. Yes. And I, and I think the key to kind of understanding these, these relationships, this kind of triangle here, is that Azar and Verma have very different jobs than, than Grogan. Uh, Azar and Verma, they're told to do something, and they have to figure out how to do it in a way that will advance, you know, the health care of, of the United States and in a way where they can make the policy work. Grogan's motivations are a little bit different in that he has to think about the political angle, right? He has to think about how will this help or hurt Trump in 2020. And, and at the same time, he is, has to think about, you know, the budget. What, how will this look optics-wise, right? And, and one of the things that we know and he's been firm on, you know, kind of throughout is that he's uh, – a, one of the more extreme fiscal hawks. Anything that's going to add you know, money to the federal budget, he's automatically skeptical of. And so you get kind of these, this, this, this triangle of, of, of personalities and big personalities um, that, can kind of, that, are, that are often in conflict um, and often kind of you know, shifting allegiances. But is this something that we should expect at the highest levels of government with big personalities, high achievers? I mean, if we looked back at the Obama administration, would it be any different? No, I mean, I think what to get back to all of our reporting on the fighting that goes on, I mean, I, I don't think that this isn't just about disagreeing on policy. There are lots of policy disagreements that happen all the time between the White House, CMS, HHS, and then you bring in OMB and they basically slow down everything. Um, the budget office of the yeah, White the, House. Yeah, the budget office of the White House. So I think um, it is to be expected, right? As Adam pointed out, for example, you know, even though I said. So, um, so wait, you, you think this kind of stuff was happening in the Obama administration? No, no, no I don't. But I shouldn't I, betray I, my answer to my the question no. I asked you, but I'm, I'm deeply skeptical. No, I think no, no. this is what, a different scenario. All, all I'm trying to say was that um, I think the acrimony between these different groups or individuals, it, it doesn't stem from disagreements over policy. It's for other reasons, because my my example would be Seema Verma gets along with Joe Grogan. They don't agree about everything. We just pointed out two examples where, you know, they weren't in alignment. But I think that doesn't mean that you don't have a good working relationship with them. Um, so this isn't just about 
policy specific since it's more than that. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's some tension is going to be natural in any administration, right? When you have, you know, people who are type A personalities all trying to get something done, they have different ways of doing it, especially when it comes to HHS, CMS, and then Domestic Policy Council, who are technically just White House staff, right? They're not cabinet officials, they're White House staff. There's always a sense of who's in charge here, who's actually calling the shots. And, and you know, in kind of, and you guys have covered the Obama administration much more in depth uh, than I have, but there's always a sense of, you know, conflict or, or you know, kind of bad feelings there. I, I would say there's maybe two reasons why it seems more significant now. Uh, one, <laughs> it's gotten to a point where more, more and more people are talking about it, right? It's gotten to a point where people are willing to spill about things that are going on day to day. It's, it's to the point where people feel it's that bad that people need to know publicly. Um, and then secondly, you know, the administration just works differently under Trump. I mean, this is a, a president who part of his entire governing strategy is to pit his, his people against each other. He thrives on see, conflict. And see what ideas emerge from there, right? And so if that's the culture you're setting at the top, it's naturally going to trickle down into the cabinet agencies. Right, and the Obama bureaucracy functioned a lot differently. Um, uh, really, but, you know, I, I'm not saying uh, none of this is perfect per se. I mean, I think one of the things that if we want to think about how should HHS operate or how should CMS operate at that time, I mean, the, especially because the Affordable Care Act was such a big, it was President Obama's signature domestic achievement at the time. So, of course, there was a ton of pressure to do it effectively. Um, the White House had, I mean, had an iron fist over everything they did. Well, you could argue that the bureaucracy of the Obama administration failed on implementing the Affordable Care Act because the getting the website to work part fell through the bureaucratic cracks. By the same token, this idea that Trump is the single decider and all of these people are essentially competing for his favor, that does not make for the most efficient government either because plans can be rolling along for months and then abandoned at the last moment. During the Obama administration, Seema Verma's predecessor was a guy named Andy Slavitt. He's well known. I bet most of our listeners know him for his Twitter feed. But he, he was the guy who ran CMS, oversaw Obamacare, has since become a big advocate for expanding health, health access uh, since leaving office. I talked to Slavitt quite a bit during his last year as, as head of CMS. He never missed a trick to praise the HHS secretary, Secretary Burwell. He never missed an opportunity to say she was the best boss, how much he was learning from her. Now, did he actually believe that in his core? Well, only he knows. But he made sure to present that they were always on the same page and that all of the credit for things he did well should go to her. That is not happening here. That That is expressly the opposite of what is happening here. Yeah. And I think we were talking about allies, Seema Verma coming from the states as a consultant, Alex Azar being someone who's been in Washington for a longer time. Alex Azar has powerful allies like Laura Ingraham, the Fox News host who has a primetime TV show. And a few weeks ago, she tweeted on November 27th, the head of CMA, so she got that a little wrong, but the head of CMA, Seema Verma, she should have written Seema S, uh, a debilitatingly weak link at HHS. So of course, her minions are trying to foist blame on others through a pattern of ob obvious leaks. Do we think that Ingraham was acting independently and maybe she read a Politico article and decided to take a shot at Seema Verma? Or perhaps was she trying to help her friend of 30 years, Alex Azar? They, they clerked on the Supreme Court at the same time. Yeah, I mean, the thing about, the, the thing about Azar, and, and, and maybe this is a bit of a dodge because I, I personally am not exactly sure who ordered what uh, or, or, or not. 
What I will say is, is Azar's orbit is significantly different from SEMA's, right? You know, you look at Seema Verma, she has specific allies in the White House. She has a, a small inner circle, whereas Azar has been in D.C. before. He has people who he trusts outside the government. He has uh, a strong uh, a strong group of allies inside HHS. You know, you kind of go through. He's into the general counsel's office, into his kind of top leadership ranks. And then he's got a few kind of trusted people in the White House, right? Um, but his his motivation from the beginning has always been to make sure that there's never space between him and the president. There's never a gap that anybody can exploit to say, you know, look, your health secretary is out of step with, with the president's position. Um, and, and that seems to be kind of what has driven a lot of this, this idea that for him to be able to stay in what he's called his dream job and also accomplish what he set out to do in this position, he needs to stay always on the right side of, of Trump. I want to close this podcast with two questions. The first one I'm going to ask you to role play a little bit on. Who's right in this dispute? Rachna, oh. make, the <laughs> <Sorry>. case. <laughs> make the case for why Akshiksha Secretary Azar is right. Oh, okay, good. I was going to say, are you going to do it based on gender and ethnicity for us to role play? <laughs> You're going to mix it up. <laughs> when I look at you, I see Secretary Azar for the next 45 seconds. I don't, oh, I don't know that I want to be that. Okay. Um, why am I right? Um, I would say that ultimately, because I <clears throat> run all of HHS, and that includes CMS, FDA, all these other agencies uh, who are my deputies, I think that puts a level of pressure in terms of being accountable to the president. And as far as having the profile, I think that's appropriate for a cabinet secretary. So I think because anything that runs through CMS uh, has to get signed off from HHS before it can be rolled out. He needs to be briefed properly. He needs to have, you know, the process in place that allows him to make effective decisions. And if if one of your subordinates technically is not being a team player, that that puts the boss in a really bad spot. Adam Kankren, a.k.a. Seema Verma, <laughs> why are you right? Well, I guess I'll, I'll take it back to the example that you were just giving, Dan, about Andy Slavitt and, and kind of how he dealt with his HHS secretary. The flip side of that is that in most cases, Andy Slavitt was the face of the policy. He was the one testifying before Congress. He was the one owning the things that were coming out of HHS. And Burwell, everybody knew she was in charge, but she was rarely the one out front, right? And Firma, in her mind, her asks are very simple, right? It's to be treated the same way that past CMS heads have been treated, to have control over her own office, her own personnel, and to be able to own the policies that are coming out of, you know, her part of, of the government. Um, not always that simple in execution, but in her mind, there should be kind of that base level trust, that base level faith in her to be able to get the job done and to keep kind of control uh, and management over her part of HHS. Last question. What happens next? Does someone get fired here? Rachna? I don't think so. Um, because... I, I, at this point, I would say no. Now, At this um, point, first week of December 2019. Yes. Um, if things get worse, maybe. Um, but I think the reason why I would say that is because not only do uh, each, uh, Alex Azar and Zuma Verma, each have their allies uh, to back them up. And I think they haven't perhaps done anything quite damning enough to be 
a fireable offense, at least, you know, we'll see where the stuff about the contracts goes. But um, so, no, I don't, I don't think either one of them would get fired. I, I think the question is rather if um, President Trump wins a second term, who would lead HHS after that? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm confident at this point, you know, on this day that nobody's job is truly in any kind of critical danger. Uh, at the same time, you know, there are a couple ways that this can be handled, right? One, Azar and, 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 and Verma and, and, and their allies can look at what's going on and say, you know what, this is dumb, it's petty, we don't need to be doing this, let's get everybody to, you know, together, sit down, have a beer, hash it out, move on, right? And we saw that some uh, attempted with, uh, with Azar and Grogan back after we, you know, reported about some of their issues. There's nothing like a media story to bring the principles exactly. together in, in bonded hatred of, of the reporter. <laughs> I thought maybe that that would happen with this. You know, it did happen the last time you wrote about a big infighting story, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the other way it can go, though, is that both sides can dig in and it becomes an all out war. And, and I think, you know, I'm confident in, in what I've heard. And I think you two have heard the same thing that that is seems like it's the way that it's going, right? It's it's. You it know, seems like that they're digging in. Sure, it's checkers. It's it's it's. I jump you, you jump me, and it kind of continues in perpetuity. That's a that's dangerous for both of them, right? They have advantages in that it's you know less than a year until the the next election to make a big change now, especially when Trump is trying to become the quote healthcare president. It's risky. At the same time, these are problems. These are difficulties that, you know, the White House chief of staff's office is aware of, that Trump is aware of. And the worst thing, you know, the worst thing you can do in Trump's mind is, one, get out of step with him, or two, become such a distraction that that he feels like it's taking the focus off of what he wants to be talking about, right? And so if this becomes to, gets to a point where it's impeding the agenda and it's taking focus off whatever Trump wants to be focused on, that's where you get into some difficulties. As, as host, I'm going to seize the microphone for the last minute to offer my thoughts. And I, I do agree with the points that you make. First, this idea that both of them have potential smoking guns in very different ways that are out there. The inspector general report on Seema Verma's PR contracts could end up being damning. And we will find out in the next couple months amid other pressures that are being brought to bear on her. Meanwhile, if Azar can't deliver on these promises that Trump wants to be able to tout in his reelection campaign, as the heat of 2020 turns up, that could put him in a difficult spot as well. And Rachna, you made the point about who's going to be HHS secretary moving forward. Secretary Azar has talked about this as his dream job. He doesn't want to leave it. Seema Verma seems to enjoy being the decider of all these big policies. She doesn't want to leave the federal government either. So there, there is a clash that seems to be brewing within the next year. And you can read about it in Politico. Rachana, Adam, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. That's it for Pulse Check this week. My thanks to Adam Kankren and Rachana Pradhan for joining the podcast and Annie Reese for producing the show. You can find Pulse Check on all of your favorite podcast apps. You can find links to what we talked about in the show notes. You can find me by email at ddiamond.politico.com. We'll be back next week with a special look at Medicare for All. Thanks for listening.